Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Good morning. Just as we begin, turn to the person next to you and tell them which is your favourite gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke or John. What's your favourite and why? So to the person next to you, what is your favourite gospel and why? Okay, anyone want to share? Hands up. Yeah, Joe. John, John you like John best, why? Um, I like how he's creative in his writing. He's creative in his writing, very nice, very theological. Uh, any other, David? Luke, why do you like Luke? Detail. detail, nice, he was a doctor, so he loves detail, brilliant. Any others? One more maybe? Mark, Mark Trevor, Mark, why do you like Mark? All action. All action. Likes the action films. I like that. That's good. Well, I love the Gospels. And one of the reasons why I love the Gospels is because they're all about Jesus. Right? They're all about Jesus and his life and his adventures and his journeys with his mates. Uh, Gavin Calvert was brilliant, wasn't he, last week? Uh, and talked about the, the journey that the disciples went on with Jesus. And I love that. Uh, adventure. I love adventure. Adventure awaits uh, is this series which we're finishing off today. So in week one, uh, Sim talked about the call, the call on our lives. Uh, and that call is, is so important for us to know the why. Uh, we do things. And last week, Tim uh, brought us the message of the challenge. No, I knew I'd get that wrong. Why do I always get that wrong? So I always send an email uh, during the week about what this Sunday is all about. And I totally got it wrong when Tim was speaking. I said the one I was meant to be doing, which is not good. So last week was the choice. Of course it was the choice. I was there. I listened to it. Uh, So Tim brought us the choice. And adventure starts with the choice, doesn't it? Uh, and I love that. And so this week we will be, I promise, uh, be exploring the challenge, the challenge that comes as part of the deal. If we accept this, this, uh, the, the call and we, we choose the, the, the choice to, to do the, this life of adventure with Jesus, then there is a challenge that comes with it, I'm afraid. And if you don't like that, then I'm sorry, you're going to have to get used to it because the challenge comes as part of the deal. At Freedom Youth uh, on Thursdays, uh, we love our young people. On Thursdays, we meet together in the Youth and Romsey building. uh, And we're journeying through this year of adventure as well. And this week, we showed them a clip from a film that I just cannot not think of when I hear the word adventure. So the scene of this film starts with uh, a young boy and a young girl, and they meet. And they soon discover that they love the same explorer. And this explorer has this phrase that goes, adventure is out there. Was that good? Come on. Adventure is out there. And so the film is up. The Disney Pixar's up. And I just cannot not think of it when we think of adventure. Because adventure, this film is a beautiful film. If you haven't seen it, then it's probably on Amazon for $10.99 or something. Uh, It's just full of adventure. And this adventure that they journey through. Uh, on uh, in the film, and it's just beautiful. And so we, uh, we, we're we doing this adventure thing as well. Uh, we're going to be so, going to Soul Survivor, which is super exciting. We'll be doing Slum Survivor. If you've not heard of that, then... Wow, it's it's a thing, isn't it? It's, um, it's where the young people and their leaders 
We have to join in, I'm afraid. Uh, they sleep outside uh, with sleeping bags and boxes, uh, just as a bit of awareness, really, of what um, homeless people go through and those on the slum. So that will be part of our adventure as well. We're hoping to do some work in the community. There's so many things, isn't there, that we can do as part of this year of adventure. And on that note, we're going to be turning to the Bible because the Bible's full of adventure. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, anyone got their Bibles? That's good, that's good. I always, I don't know if I say, I say this a lot, but it's like going to school without your pencil case. Does that make sense? It's like going to church without your Bible. It's good, it's good, it's good to take your Bible. Okay, so turn with me to the book of Romans. So the book of Romans is written by a guy called Paul. Uh, He was writing this letter to the church in Rome. And scholars say that the first uh, three quarters of Romans uh, is about Uh, what Jesus has done, what Jesus has accomplished by dying on the cross and rising again. Okay, so that's the first kind of three quarters. It's about, uh, it talks about how we're free now from captivity of of sin and shame. It talks about how Jesus has uh, freed us from the chains of the law. Uh, It talks about uh, the assurance of eternal life we now have because of what Jesus did. Uh, It also talks about how we justified that God the judge no longer considers us guilty because of what Jesus did. Now, that makes no sense. Because if I have done a crime, if I've committed a crime, then I have to pay the punishment. But that's not how Jesus works. That's not how God works, because he's a God of grace. And that is incredible. And so the first three quarters of Romans is all about the gospel. is all about Jesus and what he has accomplished. And they say that the... the last quarter of the book uh, from chapters 12 to 16 is all about how we can put into practice this righteousness that we now have because of Jesus. And so we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. And so we're going to read this together. We're going to read the whole chapter. uh, So put on your seatbelts. Here we go. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. It is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual enthusiasm. Serve in the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. 
Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of the law position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemies is, is hungry, then feed him. If he is thirsty, then give him some to drink. If in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to him. When I was younger, my siblings and I were gifted with a trampoline, and it was the best thing ever, right? A trampoline, the most exciting thing you can have in your garden. And, uh, and so me and my brother, we spend many hours on this trampoline, or should I say minutes, because it didn't take us long to fall out on the trampoline. Because, you see, we'd play this game, which many of you might have played before, and it's simply called Wrestle With Your Sibling. And we'd play this game, and, uh, and because my brother was taller and wider than me, uh, I would always be forced, forced, every time. I never learnt my lesson. Uh, every time, he would pin me down having won the wrestle. And he would, he would force me to, to surrender to him. Uh, it's by saying the words, you win, okay, you win, you win, get off me. You win, you're the best brother in the whole world. I think you're amazing. You can have my next pudding. I, 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 you win, you win. And so every time, he would force me to surrender. And the scene would probably end with me uh, hobbling off inside, probably turning on the waterworks to mum, uh, which her response would normally be, uh, well, Hannah, you said you wanted to play. Now, dagger in the heart, no sympathy from mum. Um, but uh, every time, I would be forced to surrender. And this word surrender, I wonder what you think of when you hear the word surrender. What do you think of when you hear the word surrender? Because Tim touched on it last week, setting us up nicely for this week, that many people think of it as something uh, negative, a, a sign of, of weakness, it, because it's often associated with fear or failure or losing the fight. On the battlefield of war, when an army has realized that the, the other team uh, have considerably amount of, of people, kind of, the team is bigger, they have, to, they have to touch base with reality and go, well, hold on, we're not going to win. <laughs> and so they have to choose to surrender. It's often uh, a white flag, right? Do you like my white flag? It didn't take me long. Okay, so um, surrender, the, the white flag of surrender. It's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, I thought so. Right? Blank faces. White flag of surrender, come on. Okay, so, um, so surrender, sometimes we associate with the white flag because in battlefield they would raise the white flag saying we surrender. We no longer think that we can beat you. And so instead of dying, we will live because we surrender. However, the surrender of God, right? So the, we're going to look at today the, the biggest challenge, the biggest challenge of this uh, adventure. What is the challenge? And I believe the biggest challenge is this, is to surrender, is to surrender. 
But the surrender of God isn't a negative thing, as Tim said last week. It's, it's not negative. It's not saying, oh, well, God's the, the bigger party, and I'm just weak, and, and I'm just feeble, and, uh, and I can't do it. I, I surrender. I surrender. It's not out of fear. It's, oh, my goodness, God, I, you are so big. I'm, I'm going to surrender. You win. You win. It's nothing like that. Because what it is, it's, it's about recognizing his glory, recognizing his power, recognizing his honor, and in response, taking the position of surrender, of, of taking the position of worship. And that's what surrender to God is all about. It's not a weakness. Because when we do surrender, when we recognize that God is on our side, then that is when we can play a part in the battle, in this adventure, knowing that the one true leader is leading, and that is Jesus himself. When we recognize that God is in control, that we, we surrender to him and go, God, your will be done and not mine. And so surrender is, I think, is the, is the biggest challenge for us in this life of adventure. I mean, being a follower of Jesus naturally positions us in that position, right? Because if we don't surrender, then it completely backfires on our original commitment to him. It, it doesn't make sense not to surrender, because if we are a, a follower of Jesus, if we are a disciple of Christ, then naturally, of course, we're going to surrender. Because why would we do anything else? If we've recognized that God is, is the almighty God, the creator of all, if he's the almighty one, the powerful one, then why wouldn't we surrender? Surrender to God is, is what should be our natural response to this incredible news of salvation. It may sound very simple, but I'm sure for many of us, it does for me, fall into the category of, well, it's easier said than done, Hannah. Well, I agree with that. It's easier said than done. Because surrendering to God might look like following God's lead when you have no idea where he's leading you. Well, yeah, that's easier said than done. I agree with that. Surrendering to God might look like uh, waiting for God's timing when you have no idea when it's going to happen. Easier said than done, I get that. Surrendering to God might look like expecting a miracle without knowing how on earth is it going to happen. Of course, easier said than done, I get that. And surrendering to God might look like trusting God's purpose without understanding the circumstances. I wonder if we are a church who are okay with not understanding the circumstances. Are we a people who are okay with not being in control? Are we uh, an individuals that are okay with going, actually, God, this makes no sense at all. And yet I trust you. I'm choosing to surrender to you. At the beginning of our passage in Romans 12, Paul urges the church he urges the church to do this, to surrender to him. We read it. It says, uh, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And he says that this, this act of sacrifice, this act of surrender is true worship. If you want to get better at worshiping, then start with surrender. Start with surrendering to him every day, going, God, I surrender to you. I raise my white flag. God, you're in control. 
whether I understand it or not, whether it makes no sense at all, whether this is bizarre and bonkers. God, I surrender to you. I trust you. I trust you. And a living sacrifice, I mean, what does that mean, a living sacrifice? Well, earlier on in the Bible, we're introduced to animal sacrifice, animal sacrifice. And uh, for us in this day and age, it's a bit, very bizarre kind of thing, right, of sacrificing an animal. If we started doing it, then the RSPCA will probably have something to say, uh, because obviously it's not the, thing, the done thing nowadays, because animal sacrifice now is, is very wrong, okay, it's, Put that on the table, full stop, it's wrong. Okay, but back in those days, uh, it was a symbol. So to sacrifice an animal was a symbol. Uh, because uh, for God's people, uh, it, was a, it was a powerful sign of something that God has asked them to do. Because in the beginning, when all was good, when God created uh, the earth and everything in it, it was good. He created man, and it was good. Uh, and then through disobedience, evil came into the world. We know this. This is the story uh, of our existence, right? And so uh, it, evil was in the world. Now, if God wanted to get rid of evil from the world... Because that would make the world better, right? If, we, if God got rid of evil, he would have to get rid of us. Now, he doesn't want to do that. He chose not to do that because he loves us. He made us in his image. He thinks each one of us is precious and beautiful in his sight. And so he didn't want to get rid of evil because that means getting rid of us. And so what he did is provide them with a temporary solution, which is animal sacrifice. So what he told them to do was to get an animal, a specific animal, and say uh, to kill this animal as a sacrifice. Because what happened was, the symbol was, that the evil within us would be transferred onto the animal. And so instead of us dying to get rid of the evil in our lives, the animal would die. Right? Makes sense? And so that's where animal sacrifice comes from. But the amazing thing is, is that animal sacrifice was the temporary solution. Because we had a lamb sent from God who was the sacrifice once and for all, who was Jesus. I love that. If you have thought of the book of Leviticus as really boring, it really isn't. It's really fun because it talks about this sacrifice uh, and the, the, the ways in which they used to do things. And it was all a sign. It was all a symbol of what was to come, which was Jesus dying on the cross as a sacrifice for us. I love that. I love that Jesus was the sacrifice for once and for all. And so what does that mean for us? If Paul is urging us to be a living sacrifice, so what does that mean for us? For those who are uh, in Christ, in faith, we, in response to this, should naturally want to go, God, I'm here. You have my heart. You have me. I surrender to you. In response to this incredible sacrifice that Jesus was, to go, God, I surrender. Paul says, Be, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer yourselves, your whole selves to Jesus and go, I'm, I'm here, use me. It is I, Lord. Use me. I surrender to you. And so that's why Paul urges us to do that. Jesus said in, in Mark 8, 34, he says, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, deny oneself. Deny oneself. Deny, that's like a really strong rejection, right? 
And so this simply means, Jesus simply meant, I want your all. I want all of you. Not just this bit, not just this bit, just not your Sunday mornings. I want all of you. Deny yourselves and follow me. I want all of you. Surrender to me. Deny yourselves and follow me. Say yes to me and no to yourselves. If you love me, take your eyes off yourself. Take your, how, many, how often are we just looking at ourselves? I mean, not just in the mirror, but, you know, how often are we just looking to ourselves? So looking to others, looking to other things. Jesus says, fix your eyes on me. Deny yourself and surrender. I mean, Jesus is the, the perfect example of surrender. And amazing how we were able to take communion today. Because the night before he was crucified... He said, Father, everything is possible. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. If there is any other way, take it away. And yet not my will be done, but yours. Jesus was the perfect example of surrender. He sacrificed himself for you and for me. What a gift. What a thing to live for. Jesus was the perfect example. Could you imagine what this world would look like? What Romsey would look like? What Freedom Church would look like if every day we were to say, Lord, not my will be done but yours? Could you imagine the things that we could do as a body? Could you imagine? I love Vision Sunday because we'll explore that and we'll go, God, what do you want us to do? We are saying, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. Could you imagine? What are we missing out on because we're not doing that? I don't want to miss out. God has so much for us. We've just got to surrender. We have to surrender to Jesus. And so the greatest challenge the greatest challenge that saturates this whole life of adventure we have agreed to journey on is this act of surrender. For the remaining remainder, remainder of our time, we're going to be looking at three things that uh, the position of surrender asks for. So what does this surrender look like? Right? What, what does this look like, this life of surrender? Earlier on, I used the phrase, uh, easier said than done, right? And, uh, and I believe that's true because uh, C.S. Lewis, um, in his book, Mere Christianity, uh, C.S. Lewis was the one who uh, wrote the Narnia series, right? Uh, so he wrote other books as well, uh, which is amazing. His, his theology uh, is well thought of uh, in the theological world. Um, so C.S. Lewis, he, uh, he describes this thing uh, that um, surrender asks for as the greatest sin. And he says that this greatest sin, every man uh, has this voice in his head. And he says this greatest sin, you may see it in others and hate to see it in others, but you would never say you had it. You'd never say you'd have it. Mr. Lewis says that the greatest sin is pride is pride, because pride stops us from doing so much more. Pride. In order for us to be able to surrender, we have to swallow our pride. We have to. 
Because it's that whole thing, isn't it? Lord, not my will be done, but yours. It's going, I, I, I'm not going to think of myself highly. Paul says in Romans 12, the passage we saw, don't think of yourselves highly than you ought. That's very silly. Don't do it. It's not good. Love others. Love others. Pride. Pride is such an obstacle for us. The truth of the matter is that the life of adventure, it's going to cost us, right? It's going to cost. I don't know if, if you've figured this out yet, but being a Christian, it's not easy. If anyone's promised you a life of ease, comfort, uh, and relaxation, and uh, a beautiful, you know, it's not going to happen. It's not, it's not going to happen. I mean, God loves to bless us. I know that. But being a, being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, he says, look, it promises suffering. It promises trials. We're going to go through stuff that we're going to go, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. What, is it. what does this make sense? God, you said you were the almighty God, but why is this happening? But that's what this life of adventure is all about. And going, God, I don't get it. I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense. But going, God, I surrender. I lay down my, I swallow my pride. And I go, God, you are the God for me. Surrender means you're going to become vulnerable, Right? This keeps coming up in Freedom Church, I think. I've heard vulnerability a few times. Joe spoke about it a few months ago. What is this vulnerability? We're going to have to be vulnerable. Now you go, well, I don't like the sound of that, Hannah. I'm not a fan of that. Well, me neither. Let's do it together. Vulnerability. We've got to be vulnerable to lay down and swallow our pride. Number one, surrender will ask us to swallow our pride. And number two is surrender will ask us to embrace transformation. Now, uh, there's a really skilled writer, actually, called um, Eric Carle. Uh, his works are fascinating. Fascinating. I love his works. They're, they're incredible. And his storytelling is just beautiful. Really, really beautiful. And I've got one of his books with me today, actually, but it's in pristine condition. So if you'd like to uh, have a read afterwards, then just no grubby fingers, please. Okay. So uh, this is his book, and it's called The Very Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> Come on! What are you laughing for? This is amazing. This changed my life as a kid. Okay, they had very hungry caterpillar. Very hungry. I mean, what a book. What a book. And this story goes like this. There was a caterpillar, this caterpillar. Okay, this caterpillar. He, he started off as an egg. He was on a leaf uh, as an egg. And he was birthed uh, from this egg uh, and became a caterpillar. This happens. Okay, natural way of life. And, uh, and he was really hungry. Really hungry. Okay, when you get cranky. Really, really hungry. And so he, he found some food to eat and he was eating food. And all week he eats. All week he eats. Don't you just love those weeks? Binge eat. Anyone else do that? Just me. All right. So, yeah, we love that. So he just eats all week. And uh, unfortunately, obviously, a natural way of life, he gets fat. All right. He gets a fat. Let me just show you this picture. I'm not making it up. All right. This, this caterpillar, he grows really, really fat. All right. It's a fat caterpillar. Okay. Because he's just eating loads. And uh, so what he does, he decides to, to build a home. Right? He's build a home, a little cocoon, right, cocoon. And, uh, and what he does, he decides to go for a nap. I love naps. Naps are a great idea. Whoever invented naps is amazing. Right? So he went for a nap, and after this nap, uh, spoiler alert, right, he wakes up as a beautiful butterfly. Is that the right page? Yep, beautiful butterfly. Here's a beautiful butterfly. I mean, what a transformation. Come on. What a transformation. I mean, joking aside, turning from a caterpillar into a butterfly, it's quite, it's quite a transformation, right? It's quite uh, particular. Right? It, it, it's, in, it's incredible, really. I mean, I'm not a scientist. So I don't want to be either. So, um, uh, but, I mean, what a transformation from this caterpillar, this small little caterpillar with no wings, right? No sense of flying. And yet, he 
goes into this cocoon, and weeks later he turns into a butterfly. What a beautiful transformation. Just, I just, I'm just blown away, really. Um, but just what a transformation. And us as disciples, get ready, because transformation is on its way. Transformation is on its way. And why is it part of surrender? I think transformation is quite a hard thing, actually. Because we as human beings don't tend to like change. We don't tend to like change, do we? And I was uh, talking to someone who's not part of the church, but they know of the church. And I was talking to them this week about the new offices, about moving uh, to a new office, which is amazing. And uh, she said to me, she went, oh, yes, yes, change is good. Change is good. And she paused. And she went, well, that's what they keep telling me anyway. (laughs) Change is good. It's like she was trying to convince herself that change was good because change is hard. I get it. Change is painful. Transformation can be painful, but it's necessary. Because what is the point of staying as Hannah? I don't want to stay as this. I want to be transformed into becoming more like Jesus. That's what we live for, isn't it? We live to lift his name on high and become more like Christ so that we can show others to Jesus. I might not be able to, for the rest of my life, show Jesus as just me. I need to become more like Christ to be able to do it better. We've got to be transformed. We have to embrace transformation. And yet to do that, we have to surrender. We have to surrender. And so number one, number one is that we have to swallow our pride. Number two, in this life of adventure, when we surrender, we have to embrace transformation. And number three is we have to be obedient. One that we're not so keen on. When my mum and dad used to tell me things, I used to find it incredibly frustrating. Because I had no idea why they were telling me to do what I was doing. Why can't I touch that? Why can't I have that? It looks good. Why can't I stay up late till 10 o'clock when I've got school in the morning? Why can't I do that? I was, it was just so frustrating. And yet as a child, I've got to trust my parents that they know what they're doing. Half the time they probably didn't, but they were giving it a go, right? I turned out all right. But we have to. We have to be okay with obeying. Jesus, when he was on earth, his authority was known by all the people. They were going, well, even the winds and waves obey this guy. Who is he? He has got to have some sort of authority. When he was teaching, people were like, wow, what is this teaching? I've never heard this teach. Love your enemies? What? That don't make no sense. Jesus was only doing what his father told him to do. And so all that he was doing was under the authority of the father. Jesus had the authority. And so who are we to go, nah, I don't want to do, do what you say. Nah, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to do what, what, you, what you're telling me to do. That's such a bad attitude to have. And I've had it. And I've looked at myself and gone, Hannah, what are you doing? When Jesus says to do something, do it. He knows everything. He is literally going to not say anything for you to do that's going to harm you. Why are we not trusting God when he tells us to do something? He has all authority. He holds the stars in his hands. We have to trust that God is, knows what he's doing. And when he tells us to run, we'll run. When he sends us to go, we'll go. When he tells us to stop, then we stop. 
When we surrender, we have to be obedient. We have to go, God, whatever you say goes. God, wherever you're telling me to go, I will go. Jesus, whatever you tell me to stop doing, I will try my hardest to stop doing it. Because I want to obey you, Jesus. Because I know that you hold all authority in this world. Number one, surrender. Is we have to swallow our pride. Number two, we've got to embrace transformation. And number three, we've got to be obedient. If we want to live this life of adventure then we have to surrender. And we've got to be okay with these things because Jesus wants us to live a life of adventure that's fun and that's worth living. I, want, I, mean, I was talking to someone this week and we were just saying, look, you only get one shot. You only get one shot at life. I want mine to count. I want mine to be like, yeah, that life was worth living. You know when they ask the question, what would you want put on your gravestone? I want something worthwhile on there. Rather than, oh, she had a nice life, she did all right. No, I want, to be, I want to be a transformer. I want to be a transformer. I want, to be, I want to be alive. I want to be a life giver. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to live this life of adventure that's incredible and worth living. Good grief, this is exciting. I can't wait. I can't wait to live this life and to live my life even further for Jesus because it is the only life to live. That's why we're so passionate about, right, let's pray for our town. Let's pray for those people who are lost. There's people that are lost. They have no idea who Jesus is. Good grief. What are we doing? We've got to do something. Our lives have got to be worth living. This life of adventure. Jesus, I'm going to be transformed by you. Jesus, I'm not going to have pride. I'm going to swallow my pride whenever I can. Jesus, I'm going to be obedient to you. Good grief. Holy moly. I want to, come on. Jesus. Is so worth living for. But we've got to surrender to have the life and life in all its fullness that he promises us. Let's stand together, shall we? Jim and team, if you'd come back, let's stand. I don't know about you, but this first series of Adventure Awaits. I mean, I've been quite excited, but I'm a fairly excitable person. But... Um, I'm excited for this life, of this year of adventure that we're going to have as a church. I'm excited about that. Because I know that when we lay our pride down, when we embrace transformation and change, when we go, God, I'm going to obey you, that's when Jesus comes to life in us. That's when we are birthed into, into so much more than we could ever imagine. I'm so excited for that. Let's stand together and go, let's pray. God, you're so good. We give you all the glory. And Father, yes, we understand that it's easier said than done, but God, would you help us? May that not be an excuse. But Lord, may that spur us on to try even harder. Father, would you give us everything that we need to be able to live this life of adventure in surrender, to you. In Romans 12, all those attitudes and, and things that you, you call us to do, to love, to be sincere, to hate what's evil. God, would you help us? Help us to be those people. Help us to be that as a church, as a body, as a family in this town that needs you.
Father, this morning, we stand together. We stand as one, united because of you. And we say, each one of us in our hearts, God, not my will be done, but yours. We declare that this morning. Not my will be done, but yours. We surrender to you and your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We trust you, God. We declare this morning that you reign. Jesus, you're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Who are we not to obey you, not to trust you? You are everything. You are everything to us. Father, would you come? Would you come fill us, Spirit, with your self again afresh? Lord, as we surrender to you, as we sing this song that you are good, you are good, you are good, oh, you are good. Lord, as we sing that, Lord, we're laying down our pride. We, we say to you, God, transform us, change us, bring change. And we're saying, Jesus, with every effort and every strength that we've got inside of us, we will obey you. We will do what you tell us to do. But God, we can't do it without you. We need you. Fill us again with your spirit. Fill us again so that we can be effective and live this life that's worth living for you. Lord, we surrender. We surrender to you, the God Almighty, the Father who loves his children, to Jesus, the Saviour of the world and the Holy Spirit who's our counsellor and helper. God, we worship you. As we worship you, may you be lifted up high. Jesus. We give you all the glory. We surrender to you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.